Welcome to Ablaze Ministries International Podcast. We are the youth and young adults of Hope Church Brisbane. For more information about our ministries, weekly gatherings and activities, please visit our website at www.ablaze.org.au. And right now, get ready for an inspiring message and start living out your God-given potential today. here today. Thanks so much for coming to church. It's a real privilege to be able to, you know, worship God together today. And again, if you're new to Ablaze or you've been here for a few times, you know, let me tell you this, it's not just another church event. And since the day I met Jesus, I know one thing, that God is alive and He actively involved with my life. And I just really trust that throughout the whole service here tonight, that you're not just listening to a message, but you are Staying engaged to what God is doing here. Amen? Amen. All right. Excellent. Well, you know, tonight we're going to have some special um, items later on. And I, I just want to really get all of us into the spirit of Good Friday and Easter. Because once a year that we can really come and just zero in on this subject of the death and the resurrection, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And um, I really hope that tonight God will show all of us here, that we actually have the God who is caring, who is loving towards all of us. And the fact here is that, you know, I used to worship a lot of idols. If you guys come from, like, Asian backgrounds, you know, I used to have, like, idols on the altar, like a literal idols, and I used to worship those things. And I didn't know, you know, who they were or whatever, but I believe that they were kind of super powerful. But I know one thing tonight. That whatever idols that maybe we worship, idols something that stand between God and us, that Jesus will be the only God in our lives. Amen? That God is above other gods. And I just want you guys to really challenge yourself a little bit. That it's not just about um, believing in Jesus, but it's about trusting in Him. Yeah. Believing and trusting is different things. You can believe in something, but when you trust in someone, it's involved everything of our lives. So I really hope you guys stay engaged with the whole sermon tonight. Amen? Give a big smile to someone next to you. It's like, really good to see you. Hey, come on, tell them. Really good to see you. Excellent. Hey, tonight we are talking about overcoming temptation, and Jason's going to be helping me as well. You know, you guys, you guys have heard this word before, temptation, and without a question, without any question, this, this is one of the most challenging areas of our lives as Christ followers, where we face it every day, okay? And the challenge actually went back to the beginning of time in the book of Genesis, and we knew that men disobeyed God. He fell, well, Adam and Eve, they fell into temptation, and they disobeyed God. And since then, Man has been separated from God until now. That's why through Jesus Christ that we can go back to know the Heavenly Father once again. It doesn't matter how old you are as Christ followers or how mature you are as Christ followers. It doesn't matter you're a Christian for four years, two years, one day, or ten years. We all here face the same thing. And that is, you know, the, the what do you call it? Um, the tendency that we can get tempted and fall into temptations. Now, 
the first thing I want to share with you tonight is what is temptation? You know what? I, I recently read about this story. It's a boy. His name is Bobby. Bobby was basically desperately wanting a new bicycle, okay? And his plan was to save every cent, every dollar, until he finally had enough to buy his new bicycle. So each night, Bobby asked God to help him save his money. So he would, you know, kneel beside his bed, and he was praying to God, Dear Lord, dear Lord, please help me save my money for a new bike. Yes, yes, please, Lord, don't let the ice cream man come down on the street again tomorrow. You know, Bobby would like to save up money, but he was like, whoa, man, if that man with ice cream, the ice cream man come down the street again, I would be tempted to go and spend money on that. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? We all we are facing temptations. It's a long time ago. A research team of psychologists from Stanford University performed the same test with, um, you know, some children. And the results were amazing. Okay, listen to this. What's amazing about the marshmallow test is what is revealed about the direction these kids would take in life. So, here's a result. The research team tracked these kids into um, adolescence and then into their adulthood. They found that those who were able to wait as kids grew up to be more socially competent and um, better able to cope with stress and less likely to give up under pressure than those who could not wait. Now, but for those um, that we call the marshmallow grabbers, um, they grew up to be more stubborn and indecisive, more easily upset by frustration and more resentful about not getting enough. And um, basically, moreover, um, years later, the study showed that the marshmallow grabbers were still unable to delay gratification. Their poor impulse control are much more likely to lead to misbehavior, substance abuse, and divorce. So, well, this some of the you know um, results of the test that we've seen in this um, case as well. But when we think about our ability to wait, we live in a society nowadays that everything is so gratifying, and we tend to instantly grab it or, or, or lose patience, you know, and, and we, we, we no longer know what it's like to wait, okay? Um, when I look at the Bible, especially when we understand the, 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 what you call it, like the consequences of giving into temptation, we see one thing is that our inability to control our impulses, our refusal to wait and trust, actually, it, these things you know, it lies close to the core of human sinfulness. And we all here, we have the tendency that at times when we know that we should wait because we have this instinct, I don't know, uh, voice within us and telling us, okay, this is not the right time, but we are struggling through that time of waiting. You guys know what I'm talking about, or it's only me who have experiences in my life, you know? And it's not new, it's said before. When you read Genesis chapter 3 and we learn that, Adam and Eve struggle with that. And temptation is so real in our lives. So what is temptation? So temptation in general is anything, um, is anything that for any reason exerts a force or influence to seduce or draw the mind and heart of man from the obedience to God. 
And, and, and we're struggling with this as Christ followers at time. We know from the word of God that maybe this is not something good. You know, some, something good, but at the wrong timing can be a wrong thing. You know, you would not give a car key to a 10 years old boy or girl. Okay, here you go. You drive and you crash and die. You know, like, you know, I mean, 10 years old or five years old, you know, I'm not talking about a special kids, all right? I'm talking about normal kids. You know, I mean, Having a car is good, but the timing also say everything as well. So what we see here is that in any temptation, when we give in, the result is, is that we are being drawn away from God bit by bit, bit by bit. And eventually we will lose touch with God and we will lose the, the, the relationship and you know, that, the intimacy with God as well. Now look at James chapter 1, uh, 1, 13 to 18. It said this, And remember when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong. And he never tempts anyone else. Listen to this. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entices and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful action. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. You know, we might not experience the consequences of falling into temptation straight away. But like I said before, it's bit by bit that we're being pulled away from the source of life. And that's why any temptation will lead you to destruction. Because we know God will never tempt God might test you, but he will never tempt. So these are the definition. Now, temptation itself is not a sin. But when you buy in it, when you yield to the temptation, that is the beginning of sin. Now, Martin Luther King said this, we can stop a bird flying over our head, but we can certainly, sorry, we cannot stop a bird flying over our head, but we can certainly stop it from laying its nest in our hair. <laughs> you know, so it's like temptation. It's flying all the time. But when you yield to it, that when the whole process of falling into the temptation began. So you've got to watch out for that. So I'm going to invite Jason to come up, and he's going to talk about types of temptation. Come on, welcome him. Amen. Cool. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, today we're going to talk about what is temptation. No, wrong slide. Types of temptation. Do you have the slide? Types. Of temptation. Okay, if you can flip to your Bible, First John, two, verse fifteen to seventeen. It will be on the slide too. Yes. Okay, if you guys can read with me, one, two, three. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye. And the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So today we're going to talk about these three types of temptation. The last of the flesh, the last of the eye, and the pride of life. And we will come hand in hand with Jesus' temptation um, after his 40 days of fast. So because... 
If you look um, in Matthew 4, 1 to 11, now after the 40 days of fast, Jesus, Jesus, so the last of the flesh, Jesus was tempted by the devil. You can go to the next slide, please. Um, last of the flesh, next slide, okay. After 40 days, Jesus was tempted by the devil. That's the first temptation to turn the stones into bread. The devil says, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. You know, I was looking at it. Is bread bad for Jesus? No, and it's a logical thing, you know. Jesus has fasted 40 days. He must be really, really hungry. He must be starving. Is bread bad for him? I think by eating the bread, he will nourish himself. But by eating the bread, he would disobey God's command to fast. And I, I believe this clearly depicts our war with our desires. We live in a world of instant consumerism. Now, where most of our desires can, we can just get it within reach of our arm's length. Now, have, have you ever thought of this? No, wouldn't it be nice for me to have that thing? Or have you ever craved for something so bad that you think that if I don't eat that bread, no, that, that bread, um, I will surely hunger to death? Now, I think I, I came across a lot of people in my, who long so much in going into a relationship. Now, if I don't go into a relationship by age 30, I'll surely die. The last time I checked, I'm still alive, so. Living <laughs> through. Um, yeah, I mean, is it about a particular food that we just crave so much? For me, it's prawn crackers. That's my kryptonite. Now. Or some addictive substances. There might be compelling reasons why we need it, but it doesn't mean that it would be beneficial for us right now. No, or have you ever held on to something thinking that you need it so bad that you, can, that you cannot live without it? I remember coming to Brisbane. Before I come to Brisbane, God told me to empty out my bank account and give it to the building fund. Then uh, I was pretty young, and I got around two grand in my bank account. That's my life saving throughout my first few early years of my life. And if I give out this $2,000, it's the last of my savings, you know. I don't have anything left. You know. To me, it's a dumb decision. It's, it's dumb to give away all your money in the first place, right, on the world point of view. You will not have any savings. You can't buy the things you want to buy. But God reminded me about his faithfulness each time I give into his kingdom. So I took the step of faith and gave. Cutting the long story short, a week later, my uncle met up with me. No. And he blessed me with this check of exactly the same amount as a blessing for my trip here. God is faithful. Let's go on to the next slide. No, actually, I haven't. 
Sorry. Think, think about paper, you can't just scroll. Um, I think question we need to ask ourselves, where is God leading us today? We're giving in to our desires, detract us from the will of God in our lives. Or, are we, or will we be disobeying God by doing the things we do? It may be a good thing, you know? It may be a logical thing. It might be a value, uh, so-called a valid need in our life. But that may not be what God wants us to have right now. Let's go to the next temptation, which is last of the eye. You know, Jesus was brought up by the devil to this very high mountain and showed him, you know, the devil showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he told Jesus this, all these I will give to you if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. All this can be yours. I think being in the church long enough, I've seen many ones living church for that better life, or at least what they perceive as better. In Genesis 3, verse 6, when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, he took some, she took some and ate it. The last of the eye. When Eve saw the fruit, everything goes out the window. Everything that God says, you know, not to eat the fruit, you know, was silenced by this impending desire. I need the fruit. You know, Luke 15, verse 11 to 32. In the story of the prodigal son, we have this father with two sons. One decided that he's better off living away from his dad and indulged in the life, the wildlife that everyone is talking about. You know? So he demanded his share of inheritance from his dad and went on to live the life. Everybody call it. Did it turn out well? As the story goes, he spent all he had and become so desperate for food that he craved for the pots that's used to feed the pigs. Yes. Follow me and you will have all these things. Satan makes empty promises. It's nothing new. The same tactic he used on Adam and Eve, he used it on us. Selling us lies after lies. Now, you say, why so holy? Sin a little. Everyone else is doing it. Now, Satan says, follow me. I'll promise you enjoyment, pleasure, happiness. But what is your kingdom of the world today? Is it the lifestyle of the rich and famous? Is it being a rich housewife, you know, eating in cafe every day, having shopping sprees? It's a pretty good life. Is it a lifestyle of wild living, doing anything you want without a care in the world? Or is it having a multi-million dollar business empire, getting all the money, 
all things money can buy. The thing is God already promised us his eternal kingdom. And he's the one who will keep to his end of the bargain, unlike Satan. Matthew 6.33, it says, But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So the question I ask you today, whose kingdom are you pursuing today? Whose kingdom? Just think about it. Pride of life. That's the third temptation. Then the devil took him to a holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Now pride say, I can do it myself. Pride says, I don't need God. Pride says, I can push the boundaries because God will keep me safe anyway. In, in particular, I think I just sense today, you know, that's just that attitude that I need to solve my problem myself. You know, things we fall into, you know, different addictions. It's our attempt to cure our own problems, our own struggles. You know, we go into different addictions and saying that this, this thing that, that I, I go into will cure me from the pain I feel inside. But it doesn't. It is the lie of the enemy. Many of us, including me, including me, choose to fill our minds with different kinds of junk through media and our daily interaction with others. Negativity, lying, gossiping, cheating, violence, sex. Why? Because we think we can take it. All other people will be influenced by this media, but not me. I'm immune. Pride of life. Yes. But the word of God says otherwise. In Proverbs 4.23, I think it's up there. Above all else, God says, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. God tells you about your mind too. Finally, brothers and sisters in Philippians 4.8, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. But what are we filling our minds with? Truth is, Satan will take advantage of every compromise that we make. Oftentimes, we make it more difficult for ourselves to be set apart for Jesus than it should be. 
Now, that's why the advertising industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. They know that the little couple of seconds or minutes of advertisement will influence your choice in buying something. What more if you watch an entire movie filled with junk, filled with violence, sex, and vulgarities? Now, I heard about this story, about this father who refused to let his two teenage sons watch this PG movie. No, the teen's defense was the movie was great, except there was a couple of scenes where they used God's name in vain, some malnudity and vulgarities. So no matter how the teens try to convince the father that it's just a tiny couple of seconds of inappropriateness, their father would not waver. The following day, the father baked the teen's favorite brownies. Now, before giving it to the teen, he mentioned that majority of the ingredients are the same, but I just add this one ingredient, cow manure. So no matter how you try to convince the teens that it still tastes the same, they refuse to eat it. Just a little bit makes the difference, doesn't it? It's the story of David and Bathsheba. Today we're going through many Bible stories today. In 2 Samuel, verse 11. Yeah, that's David. In the spring, at the time when kings go to war, David sent Joab out of the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. Oh, David somehow stayed back in his castle when his men were fighting. The warriors saw this naked woman called Bathsheba bathing from his room. And instead of turning away, he sing the one republic song, Stop and stare. You start to wonder why you're not <laughs> you're here, not there. Anyway. <laughs> That's my pathetic attempt to sing that song. Um, But yes, um, one republic knows, knows about our sinful nature. One scene led to another. He found found that Bathsheba has a husband, still didn't care, slept with her, got her pregnant, plotted to kill her husband to hide his guilt, and eventually God gotten really cross with him. Bad David, bad David. Naughty, naughty. Anyway, thankfully, with all this news about temptation, there is a way out. There is a way out. Praise God. Next slide, please. Should be saying. Yep. In First Corinthians 10, verse 7 to 13. You can flip your Bible to there. I like these verses. So yeah, you should look through it while I read. First Corinthians 10, verse 7 to 13. Verse 7 it says, Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in reverie. We should not commit sexual 
immorality, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by destroying angels. This thing happened to them as an example and were written down as a warning for us. On whom the accumulation of the ages has come. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. And verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will always provide a way out so that you can endure it. I like the way God put it, you know. Remember those people who gave in to temptation previously? Yeah, I killed them. <laughs> but hey, the good news is, <laughs> I always provide a way out. You know, so now, what's it? It's your choice. If God always provides a way out in our temptation, the only thing between you and giving in to the temptation is you. You making the choice that you want to be tempted. You want to give in. Because it says right here, there is a way out. Always a way out. You know, I can relate to the story of Joseph in Genesis 39. Especially in verse 6. Joseph, yes. So in verse 6 it says, Now Joseph was well built and handsome. Soak it in, yeah? Okay, <laughs> just joking. Uh, yep, okay. After, after a while in verse 7, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and come and said, come to bed with me. But he refuses. He says, with me in charge. He told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house Everything he owns, he has entrusted into my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing except you, because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And true, and though he spoke to Joseph day after day, Come to bed with me. Come to bed with me. He refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. And one day, he went to the house to attend his duties and none of the household servant was inside. So she caught him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Joseph flee. He ran out of the house. The number, the number one way to overcome temptation is to run as far as possible. I remember packing away all my games. I'm really into gaming. Uh, into a huge plastic bag before my exam and pass it to my mentor. Because I know there's no way I can resist it if I just put the games in front of me. That's it for me. Now, 
we can't resist temptation by just looking at it, staring into the face of temptation. I need to resist it. I need to resist it. No. Okay, I'm going to do it. Anyway. No, we can't. We need to run. Second Timothy 2, 22-23 says, Run from temptation that captures young people. Always do the right thing. Be faithful, loving, and easy to get along. Worship with people whose hearts are pure. Stay away from stupid and senseless arguments. This only lead to trouble. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Now, I think one thing that helps you guys remember uh, what to do um, in, t- in times of temptation is this picture. Next, please. Oops. Yes, this picture. Get it? Flee. <laughs> okay, next time when you face temptation, remember? Come on, come on, you can do better. When you face temptation, remember? Flee. Yes, flee. <laughs> okay, this is the coldest joke ever. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Now, at times, life can be like a talk of war. Satan tempting us on one side and God drawing, closer, drawing us closer on the other. I think one thing we know for sure, if God is pulling the rope, rope on the talk of war, we will never lose the game. In John 6, 16.33, it says, I have told you this thing so that in me, you will have peace. In this world, you have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. You know, to overcome temptations, it involves a few things that we can do. Jason mentioned about fleeing from it. And it's very interesting, when you actually study the New Testament, you know that God said this flee from the love of the money, flee from immorality, you know, the thing here is that it's not like, yeah, we're going to do it. But God knows that no, none of us here is strong enough to face that. That's why he said you've got to flee. And, and, and one thing I learned about overcoming temptations is this, it's a journey. Can you say with me, it's a journey. You know what it means? It starts somewhere and it's going to be on a journey to reach certain places. So today, when you're feeling that, hey, I'm not going to be able to make it, hey, guess what? You have tomorrow to make it better. You know, I, I, I want to show something with you. This, is, this is helps me when I face temptation. Very similar to what Han, um, Hosanna just, just shared that. In any temptation you face, it's about running away and keep leaning towards God. It's the pursuit that all of us here need to experience. It's about making a decision in every moment to yield unto God. To yield unto God. It's a decision that we say, God, I love you more than that. I love you more than going into the trap. I love you more than that pleasure. I honor you more than that thing. Whatever thing it is in our lives, you know what? One thing I have learned, I'm not going to give you one, two, three, four, five, 
ways to overcome temptation. But I want to share one passage with you quickly, and we're going to close off tonight. It's about developing a lifestyle of walking in the light. Read John chapter 8, verse 12. I need to be fitter. Okay. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never, say never, never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Do you know what it means? The Bible said darkness is like sin and temptation. It's all around us. When you turn off this, you know, the the room lights and you put spotlight on me. Let's say, you know, this is the light. And I try to escape the darkness. How can I escape from the darkness? If I have the spotlight going all over the place, I have to keep chasing the light. And as long as I stay under the light, I can be free from the darkness. That's why it's more than just do's and don'ts. It's about positioning yourself in the light. That's why your relationship with Jesus on a daily basis counts. It's not about, have you read the Bible today yet? Have you prayed yet? You know, those things are great. But it's about keep your life in check every time. Am I walking in the light of God? Am I obeying Jesus in small things and in big things in my life? You know, I just really believe that we need to choose to live our lives on a higher road. Can I tell you something? Every temptation that you face lies an opportunity for you to glorify God by showing your love and loyalty to Him. So it's no longer, oh, I'm going to get zapped. But it's all about, wow, I'm tempted. But I want to honor God. I want to show my love towards my king. I want to give him my loyalty. I want to pledge again my loyalty towards Jesus. So I step out from that moment of temptation and say goodbye to the temptation. So every temptation we face lies the opportunity for you and for me to glorify God. You know, we've got to make a decision. Tonight we're talking about Friday, Good Friday. And actually Jesus, in his final hours, he faced the last temptation to give up his calling and purpose on earth. And that is to die on the cross. You guys seen the movie, The Passion of Christ. And I'm going to bring you back to that scene again in the Garden of Gethsemane. In Matthew 26, 36 to 46, quickly, it said this, that Jesus went with his disciples to the place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Say pray. And then he said this. He took Peter and two sons of Zebedee along with him. He began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. So now Jesus is showing his human side, that he is sorrowful. He is really worried about what he's going to face. He was going to be killed. He asked his disciples, not 12, only three who were closest to him, watch and pray along with me. And he said this going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and 
Pray. Say pray. Pray. My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. <laughs> Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Watch and say with me, pray. Watch and pray. So basically, he went back again the second time. They were asleep. And Jesus went back and he prayed. And then a third time, he found the same thing happened to the disciple. He went back and he prayed. And then at that time, he looked up to the Father. He said, not my will, but your will be done. And from that moment on, he never looked back again. There was a last temptation that he faced. And since then, he walked to the cross. He was arrested. He was tortured. He was suffering. And finally, he gave up his life on the cross. But you know what? One of the lessons we learn from the time that Jesus was in the garden is to pray. You know, I wish that I would have a more like fancy way of saying, oh, you should do this to overcome temptation, or you should do this, you will not sin. But it's all come down to your lifestyle of intimacy with God. And it's going to take you a journey of a lifetime to do that. The good news is that if Jesus prayed three times, how many more times do we have to pray to get the strength from the Lord? That's why, guys... A blaze, we should develop the lifestyle of prayer. That's why we're going to have this encounter, 7-11. Because it's more than just coming together, having a great service, but it's really see the life change when we pray. When we ask God to give us his strength. When behind closed door at home, that you took the moment, you take the moment every time to cry out to Heavenly Father. You know, last but not least, I want to give you some hope here is this, that, you know, when you go through tough time, if you think that no one understands you, can I tell you this, that your best friend Jesus understands you? I'm not lying, because in Hebrews chapter 4, 15 to 16 said this, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have the one who has been tempted in every way. Jesus was tempted in every way. I don't know. Today you're going through sexual temptation. You feel like, God, I don't know. With that, Jesus understood. The Bible said he was tempted in every way. And it means that we can look to Jesus and say, Jesus, you've been there, done that. Now you understand me and you're going to help me get through this. The Bible says this. He was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So listen to this. Let us. The scripture said, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. If today you're struggling with temptation, the biggest lie of the enemy is to take you away from the place that they would, he would tell you, not good enough, don't go to God again. Don't go to God. But the Bible says here that you know that Jesus was tempted and he asked of you, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. Listen to this, so that you may receive both mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You know that when you go to God, God will give you mercy and grace. 
You know what it means? When you're going through the time of temptation, the mercy of God will say, I forgive you. It doesn't matter what you have done. I forgive you. And then the grace of God will be our strength to say, get up and walk on. This is the word of God, people. That in every temptation we face, we have both grace and mercy. Hallelujah. That we are able to walk on with the Lord. You know, Good Friday is known as Holy Friday. And it's traditionally um, celebrated as a day on which Jesus was crucified on the cross, his death, our victory. And you know, when Jesus died on the cross, he did not just break the power of death. It means that we will be reconciled. We are reconciled to God and we're going to be with God again in heaven. But the death of Jesus has also break every change over our lives. That you're no longer being bound by sin and its consequences. It means that every addiction, every curse, everything that will bring you down, Jesus has already overcome all of that. That's why today, church, we should live in the position as a son and daughters of God whom were redeemed by the blood of Jesus. That's why tonight we're celebrating Good Friday. You guys should be happy. Come on, show me some smiles. You guys should be happy because Jesus did all of that. You know, I want to leave you with this. In Jude 24 to 5, it's only one chapter. You guys read the book of Jude. <laughs> Listen to this. I love this. Now, O oh glory to God, Can we read it together? One, two, three. Now, O glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling and bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. O glory to him who alone is God, our Savior through Jesus Christ, our Lord. O glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time and in the present and beyond all time. Amen. We have the God who is able to keep you from falling. So every time you're tempted, remember that God will keep you from falling and he will provide the way out for you. 